The other day, I was scrolling on Instagram. This live video popped up of someone that I follow who's, I guess, kind of an influencer. And she was sharing very, very vulnerably and very beautifully about how it's been really hard for her to trust God in this season because things have not been going her way. She said, you know, it's really easy to trust God when everything is going your way. And as I was listening to that, I realized I don't think things have ever gone my way. My relationship with God has been based on the struggle and it's not going my way. The only option I have is to trust God. That's pretty much been a theme through my entire life. In that, I didn't feel sorry for myself. I was just making this realization that we all have different stories in relationship to struggle. But out of that moment of clarity, I thought, okay, if this has been my story, then maybe this is something I can speak into. Because if I have such a familiar and close relationship with things not going my way, then how can I use this to help other people? So I decided today's podcast is going to be all my best tips (laughs) on how to stay in trust, in surrender, in connection to yourself, to your higher power, the best you can in seasons that you don't think you'll be able to survive. Because I have a lot of experience in this. I'm going to give you three things, and I really prayed through this, three things I think you need to know that would benefit you most and have the biggest impact on how you feel and self-compassion in seasons you don't think you'll survive. Number one, the biggest thing that's holding you back from how you want to feel in a season you don't think you'll survive is judgment. Judgment of self and judgment of others. And I also want to say, if you have a really, really loud judgmental part that is criticizing how you ended up here to begin with, or projecting judgment on other people because this happened to you because of them, I want to offer a loving thought that all parts of you have good intentions. The judgment or the criticism of who you are or where you're at or how you got there that voice inside your head that doesn't sound very kind, that part of you also has good intentions. And that judgment is another way of protecting you from actually having to feel what you're feeling. When we move into judgment, how do you know if you're in judgment? I don't want this to just be like a three tips for this. And it sounds so easy because this is not easy. So I want to bring as much clarity to this as possible. The first way you know you're in judgment is if you're constantly trying to fix something that maybe can't be fixed or all your energy is using to fix something that is like more tit for tat energy, like that bargaining part of the grief cycle. Well, if I do this and this will happen, if I do this and this will happen, almost crossing energetic boundaries and forecasting what you think would or should happen if you do certain things. So all my energy is spent fixing someone else, myself, to change the circumstance. If I do this, this outcome will happen. Or judgment can sound like or look like hating yourself, hating whatever is true or not accepting what is true because you're like, well, I'll fix it and then I'll show them. This is really the opposite of accepting, okay, this is where I'm at. 
with that awareness and with that acceptance, that's not laying down and being passive. That's saying, here is the story. How can I nurture and take care of myself inside of this story? What is it that I actually need? How can I consider my needs and my feelings and my emotions and my voice in this story rather than being preoccupied with this enemy that I am trying to fix the enemy inside of me or the enemy in someone else. Judgment is a very strong frequency that keeps us so preoccupied and it can have a hold on us where we can't move through into support and relief because we're fearful of how people will act, will treat us, or the voice of judgment about what we need or desire is so great that we don't meet our own needs. And to that, I would ask, whose voice is that? Whose voice is saying that's frivolous? Whose voice is saying that's wrong? If you can identify like, well, that sounds like my mom's voice, or that sounds like my grandma's voice, or that sounds like my dad's voice. Well, that's not your voice. They have their own story and you have your own story. So moving into, I can't change this and I accept this. What do I need to hold me through this? And the emotions of what this feels like could be a way to support yourself through a really hard season. It's not the fixing the problem that changes the way you feel. It's how can I show up for myself in this moment with acceptance, not agreement, but acceptance so that I can meet my needs right now. So that's number one, compassion over judgment, offering yourself just a little bit more compassion. Okay, number two kind of goes in line with number one, resistance. Resistance is refusing to acknowledge what data or patterns or circumstances are there. So resisting the story as the story is. Whatever we cannot embrace imprisons us. So the more I fight the story or the more I fight in my own internal world, the more at war I stay. And I'm not able to move into compassion, care, calmness, clarity, courage, all of those beautiful self-energy attributes. And it's really, really hard to accept what is so painful because of what that means, the meaning we can make of those things about ourselves or others or our worthiness. But I think with deep, unconditional tenderness, no matter what it is, that's where change begins. The more we resist, the less we have room for love. And I totally have done this, even as a mom, just this hyper-independent, you know, hold my beer, I'll make this happen, resisting what is to create something that in my mind it should be to spend a lot of energy and a lot of years allowing that resistance to have a hold on me and how I feel and then winding up realizing a lot of this martyrhood and a lot of this energy that I've put into resisting the story and creating all of this stuff I need to be doing and all of this extreme energy that leads to burnout 
I just wonder if I wouldn't have resisted the story and I would have slowed down into kindness and unconditional tenderness with the story as it was, what would have been different? And I know it's really hard because that includes so much vulnerability. And I remember one time it was like, well, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel sad because we have things to do. We can solve these problems. And I remember someone asking me like, Becca, what's wrong with feeling sad? And I think that's such an important question because there are parts of you that need to be witnessed and that need to know that you understand their pain. Sometimes when we're resisting, our inner world and our outer world can have a big gap because inside it feels one way and outside it looks another way because we are making it happen and the cost is great. And when we're able to notice how that feels and attune to regulation and radical acceptance and show ourselves safety in those hard moments through community, through taking care of ourselves, whatever that looks like, to say, this is what it is. I'm not going to get into the boxing ring because that causes stress on my body. I'm going to expand into nurturing and compassion, meeting all of this with love. Simple, but not easy. So the last thing that I think is really important when you're walking through a season that you don't think you'll survive is holding yourself to the same expectations as when you are in a air quotes winning season. There are seasons where I was walking through really hard moments and that looked like a lot of laying down, a lot of productivity looking like rest, looking like the covers were over my head, not checking every box. And that didn't make me bad. And I wasn't behind. I was in depletion. When we talk about the nervous system and we talk about how we shift from safe and connected to fight or flight or to shutdown mode or overwhelm burnout mode, freeze, if you will, that has to do with the amount of stimulus or threats that are coming at us. If we're in sympathetic fight flight, there is a challenge that we see that we have the energy or the potential to overcome. When we go into shutdown mode, the story changes from, and this isn't a conscious story, this is a story that your body uses neuroception to determine these challenges are so great that I cannot overcome. And in that season of something being hard, that is probably true. If it is so great that I cannot overcome, the nervous system is going to conserve energy and it's going to move into freeze. It's not the bear is chasing me and I have a way out. It's the bear is on top of me and I'm going to play dead. And that is what happens biologically in our bodies whenever there is a chronic season of stress or overwhelm or trauma to which there is no end in sight. And so during those times, we know that all seasons are temporary. If we look back on our story, no matter what hard thing you've been through, it's never lasted forever. So we know that logically, but in our bodies, we don't have that. We don't have that ability to differentiate because we're just perceiving in that moment what is true. And so then we can be mad at ourselves like our body is the enemy. We're not able to go at the pace we once went at. We're not able to work out and meal prep and keep our house clean and do this and do that. Whatever your checklist looks like, 
So sometimes we can disassociate more from how we feel to keep pushing through and overriding the way it feels to be in that season, which I've definitely done. Or we can freeze and not be able to do anything or very much because of the challenges that are around us. And we can judge, and this goes back to judgment, but we can hold ourselves with some of those expectations that are not necessary in that season. And so we can base our whole identity around these unmet expectations. That's just a season. It's not your identity. And how we support ourselves is we allow time for integration, emotional integration, physical integration of how we actually feel, noticing and turning towards what we actually need. And sometimes based on the state of our nervous system that we're spending a lot of time in, we're going to need different things. We're in a season of really intense parenting. We're going to need a lot more downtime. So our house may be a mess. In a season of really intense work stress, our parenting may be affected. Expectations of ourselves, I think, put us right back in judgment. And then it becomes cyclical because then we bargain, well, if I do this and this will change. And in that bargaining, we're really delaying feeling grief. And in that delay, we're resisting and we're moving back into denial. So we're really cycling through the grief cycle. So to recap, Three things you need to know in a season you don't think you'll survive. Number one, compassion for all the parts of you and how all those parts of you have good intentions rather than fixing or hating or judging yourself. Something to consider. Number two, resistance instead of radical acceptance. Radical acceptance is This is me. This is my life. This is my situation. What emotions come up around this? What sensations in my body come up around this? How does this feeling in my body that I'm curious about affect the story that's playing out in my mind? Is this a really old story that I've had for a very long time? And this moment is an opportunity to turn toward that story or turn toward those feelings and nurture myself and attune to myself because nobody ever attuned to me in this. You know, I always heard pastors stand up on stage and say like these one-liners, like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is insanity. Well, doing the same thing over and over again gives unprocessed energy in me somewhere to go. There's wisdom in that. And also getting to the point where you say, okay, I'm going to have the support and the courage to turn toward these emotions rather than outrun, outwork, outchase these emotions to process what needs to be processed and face what needs to be faced. You probably can't do that alone. And who is there to hold me through that? How am I resourcing myself? Because oftentimes as kids, we struggled and we were met with, well, I'll give you something to cry about or, well, you'll have to figure it out. Yep, that's real life. We weren't met with or modeled compassion, acceptance. We were modeled with, well, you better fix it. You better get it together or judgment of, well, you caused this. And there is this opportunity to reparent ourselves here when we move into accepting and supporting ourselves just as the story is, rather than everything being so fragmented 
This is an opportunity to integrate all of these emotions. We're not basing our sense of identity around this one moment in time because there's more to you than that. And then lastly, and this is hopefully the most practical I feel like is to adjust your expectations of self. When I was a single mom, I worked out very consistently. And you would think, oh, being a single mom, like how did you, you know, but it was just me and my daughter and I had a lot of room to work out. In 2020, I got married. I moved towns. I was blending a family and then the pandemic hit. It took me three years to get back in the gym until this past fall, 2023. And when I look back at all I was doing, yes, I lost muscle and my body changed and I gained weight and all of these things, but the expectations are adjusted because there's more nervous systems in my home than there has ever been. There's adjustment to co-parenting. There's adjustment to different energies that I'm face-to-face with on a regular basis. The static list of what we should be doing doesn't even apply when we are evolving, doing deep inner work to be able to rise to the occasion of our lives. And there comes a time when that thing that you're putting so much metabolic energy into doing finally becomes safe because you've done it so many times that your nervous system knows, okay, this is a struggle and this is a challenge, but we're not going to die. You're going to be okay. And then you can take action toward some of those old expectations. But with every season, there is a flow of expectations. And it's looking at what is the container of this season? What is of highest value and priority in this season? What is accessible to me in this season? And no season lasts forever. And it doesn't mean anything about you. You're just seeing what actions have the most value And productivity looks different for every season. I know that these all sound very simple and they're not simple. They're not easy. Radical acceptance, it's like, okay, well, you would move out of this hell that you're walking through if you could radically accept this and then take action from that place of acceptance. But that takes time. It's not something we can just snap our fingers and we can do. It's first meeting that with deep, unconditional tenderness so that change can begin. And that change is probably going to be slow, especially if you weren't met with love and nurturing in these places. You were met with, which our society favors masculine traits of independence and building and action and all of these things to make room for the nurturing and compassion and slowing down to listen to your intuition responding from your intuition, collaborating, inviting in support, asking for what you need or want out of life. Those aren't really favored culturally and they aren't really modeled. And there's something that we have to sometimes learn through the fire. These are things that I have lived because things haven't gone my way. And I don't want to make an identity around that, but I do want to use it to help and bring something of value to the world. Gold can only be discovered through going into the dark places and going through refinement. The refinement of gold is the longest part of the process. But once that gold is extracted and then once it is refined, it can be used and it's malleable and it can withstand the heat of the fire to be molded into whatever it needs to be. So it can be burned and molded into a watch. It can be burned and molded into a statue. It can withstand the fire 
and be malleable for whatever it needs to be for value for that particular season. And the constant of that value never changes. So you are gold. You have a heart of gold. And sometimes we have to go to the deepest, darkest of places, sifting through the shit and the dirt to find it and extract it and then be refined through it. And then once it's ready, it can still go through moments and seasons of heat to be molded into what it needs to be used for in that season. That's your soul. That's your energy. And that is very, very, it is very important to do our inner work in every season to be able to have clarity around what our best use of energy and our best use of self-compassion and tenderness truly is. The invitation of a hard season is to get to reflect on all of these things. When we're in this winning season, we don't slow down to reflect. The invitation of the winter of the hard season is to slow down and to go inward and to allow all of this to be considered. It's very different than a summer season. It's an opportunity. It's an invitation. You're not doing any of it wrong. You're just learning as you go. How could you have known? There's no way you could have known. You couldn't have learned all of this that you're learning now one second sooner. You're here now, and now you're able to respond to the season that you're in. And there's so much beauty in that. It's all an opportunity to receive more deep, unconditional tenderness and more support. And you are so worthy of that. And if I can support you in any way, I would be so honored. You can find me on all the places. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Golden Hour podcast. I feel like you just came into my living room. We kicked our shoes off, got cozy, and had a cup of coffee together. I hope you did too. If you want to keep this conversation going, or you're looking for more information about the work that I do in my coaching containers, you can find everything in the show notes at the bottom. Of course, y'all, let's connect on Instagram at Becca Gaskin and shoot me a DM if something in this podcast resonated with you. I would love to hear so much. Don't forget, there will never be another you and no one, I mean no one, can take care of you as good as you can. You don't have to be rescued. You have everything that you need. I love you more than coffee, and I'll see you next time.